This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the Contributors tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Rachel Maddow Show, The Young Turks, The Majority Report, The Rock Star Dinosaur Pirate Princess, All In With Chris Hayes, and This Week in Blackness. And if it isn't already obvious from the title, trigger warning for anyone sensitive to Bill Cosby and all that he represents, which is now primarily serial rape. So this is a huge national story that has been unraveling over the course of the last year or so, uh, month after month, allegation after allegation. But there are late-breaking developments, court records that are newly public tonight, which have qualitatively changed the nature of this story. Everybody knows the name of the man at the center of all this. For the past few years, but really in the fall and winter of last year, it seemed like every few days a new woman went public with allegations against the actor and comedian and beloved entertainer Bill Cosby. Every few days there were new ugly allegations that Bill Cosby had raped and sexually assaulted women, ultimately dozens of allegations from dozens of different women. And the incidents were alleged to have occurred over a series of more than four decades, starting in the mid-1960s all the way to 2008. And although they spanned that very large stretch of time, all of the allegations were variations on the same terrible theme. They all were basically allegations of sexual assault or rape preceded by the woman being drugged. Three dozen women have come out publicly to tell a version of that story. But the very first one, the very first woman to ever publicly accuse Bill Cosby of sexually assaulting her, uh, is a woman who worked for Temple University in Philadelphia. MSNBC is not identifying the woman by name. Uh, Temple University is Bill Cosby's alma mater. He was on the board for many years before he resigned in the wake of these sexual assault allegations. He's been a very public booster for Temple. Well, in 2005, this Temple employee filed a civil complaint against Bill Cosby. She alleged that three years earlier, one night in 2002, she was at his, at his house, she was uh, getting career advice from him, and she says that he gave her three blue pills. She thought they were for anxiety. She says she asked him whether she needed to take all three of the pills, and she says Bill Cosby replied, yes. She says she took the three pills, she quickly felt dizzy and weak, and says she needed help walking. She says she was barely conscious. She alleged that Bill Cosby then walked her over to a sofa in his home, and sexually assaulted her. She filed her lawsuit against Bill Cosby in 2005. Her lawsuit was dismissed with prejudice and settled for an undisclosed sum of money the following year. And yes, since then there have been dozens of women who have come out to describe a similar alleged experience with Bill Cosby, but their allegations have been just that, just allegations, even though there have been a lot of them. Bill Cosby has never been found guilty of those allegations in a court of law, and until tonight, Bill Cosby had always strenuously denied, consistently, all, all of the many, many, many allegations against him. Well, tonight, thanks to the Associated Press doggedly staying on this story and not taking no for an answer from the courts and going to court to force the release of these documents, thanks to the AP, tonight we got this. These are the documents in that deposition during the accuser's lawsuit against Bill Cosby back in 2005. These are the records of that very first sexual assault lawsuit against Bill Cosby. In the course of that lawsuit, Bill Cosby admitted that he obtained prescriptions for drugs, specifically for quaaludes, which are powerful sedatives. He got those drugs specifically to give to women for the purpose of having sex with them. Quoting from the deposition, this is a lawyer asking Bill Cosby, when you got the quaaludes, was it in your mind that you were going to use these quaaludes for young women that you wanted to have sex with? Bill Cosby answers, Yes. 
the rest of the documents that were made public tonight are fascinating. I mean, just to get a sense of the aggressiveness with which Mr. Cosby's legal teams has fought these allegations in court, they aggressively fought the release of these documents as well. They made the case that it would be, quote, terribly embarrassing for Bill Cosby if the public knew what he admitted in that courtroom that day in 2005. They say it would be terribly embarrassing. The avalanche of sexual assault and rape allegations against Bill Cosby have no doubt been terribly embarrassing. Uh, but even with this now newly public admission by Bill Cosby that he gave prescription sedatives to young women in order to have sex with them, is there any chance whatsoever that there could be consequences for Bill Cosby beyond terrible embarrassment? I mean, this has been the story all along, right? There are these allegations, but will these allegations, and now will this new news about Bill Cosby, have any legal ramifications? Well, remember, this lawsuit was settled. She, she filed it in 2005. She settled it in 2006 for an undisclosed amount of money. I mean, if there is no legal consequence here specifically for this, should there be some sort of policy consequence? I mean, many of the women who have made sexual assault allegations against Mr. Cosby have run up against the statute of limitations for crimes like that. They've been told that he can no longer be charged with a crime because the alleged crime happened too long ago. It's simply the passage of time that makes this an unprosecutable thing. Does that need to change? Could that change? How does tonight's bombshell scoop by the AP, this admission, how does it change what happens next? Joining us now is Mary Claire Dale. She's a legal affairs reporter for the Associated Press who broke this story earlier this evening. Uh, Ms. Dale, I really appreciate your time tonight. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. Let me just ask, I, in the way I sort of uh, thumbnailed that, did I get any of that wrong or is that basically the way that you understand this has all happened? Uh, I believe it's right. The only uh, thing I might tweak is I believe the sexual assault allegedly happened in 2004 in his home. 2004, not 2002. Okay, thank you right. for that. So mm -hmm. how, how were you able to get these documents from this case? My understanding is that the court uh, initially resisted and that his legal team fought very hard to keep these documents under seal. They did. The judge had only issued a temporary seal in 2005 when the case was underway, and uh, the case settled before he ever ruled on a permanent seal for some of these documents, which contained uh, excerpts from Cosby's deposition. Uh, we certainly don't still have the full deposition. We really only have a very small fraction of it, we think. The deposition went on over two days. But at any rate, back in 2005, the AP tried, or in 06 when it settled, we tried to get the documents unsealed and we lost. Uh, we tried again now uh, and had the benefit of the law on our side because the law in federal court in Pennsylvania is that after two years, documents should be unsealed unless someone provides a good reason not to, a, le a good legal reason. Cosby's uh, lawyers said, saying that it was going to be embarrassing for him was not enough reason the judge found. And uh, the judge also noted that Cosby had gone, out, gone around moralizing on his soapbox and therefore that it was the, uh, within our interest to show how his um, you know, deposition statements compared to his public moralizing. In terms of the content of, of what you have now made public from this, from this deposition, does this at all affect whether Mr. Cosby could ever be uh, charged criminally, um, either for these allegations or for any of the other related allegations? Will this factor into any case or potential case concerning him? In terms of criminal cases, uh, on the sexual assault allegations, I wouldn't think so. I think most of them are too long ago uh, and the criminal statutes have run. Uh, it could possibly come into play in the uh, um, 
libel lawsuit, the defamation lawsuit in Boston, where three of the accusers are suing him for defamation, saying that when his agent said that their stories were not true, that they were drugged and sexually assaulted, uh, they said that basically Cosby, through his agents, were uh, you know accusing them of being liars. So this, the uh, again, the snippets of the depositions that we have tonight certainly don't show uh, whether the sexual assault allegations are true, but they do show that Cosby uh, acknowledges that he used quaaludes during the course of sex. Uh, you know, it, what's left unresolved is whether or not he claims the women were doing it consensually. That question, whether or not, in other words, whether they knew they were using these drugs recreationally or otherwise, that question was asked and not answered, uh, and that is why the lawyer for the Temple University woman during the deposition had to go to court to get Cosby and his legal team to cooperate for the deposition. They were really running, uh, you know, they were styming the answers that he provided, and so she ultimately... Uh, took 50 of her questions, went to the judge and said, they're just not answering and uh, I need some help here. And I believe then the f depositions did proceed. After that, the case settled. Associated Press revealed that back in 2005, Bill Cosby did testify that he purchased quaaludes with the intention of drugging young women that he wanted to have sex with. Now, that was information that did not change Whoopi Goldberg's support for the comedian. In fact, during a segment about the issue on The View, she said that, well, you know, he hasn't been convicted of anything, so I don't know what to tell you. Well, now there is an alleged victim, Lily Bernard, who has come forward to speak to CNN about what she went through. She's actually very enraged about Whoopi Goldberg's response to the evidence. Let's take a quick look. People have been coming after me and saying they're going to snatch my family. They're going to come. It's like being Frankenstein. People coming after you with the fire and they're going to burn you. No one here thinks rapists are fun. Nobody here thinks rape or hates women or any of that. So don't come after me like that because I'm sick of this bull. Here's the bottom line for me, it's my opinion. And the American courts agree with me because still, he has not been taken to jail or tried or on anything. So back off me. So Lily, final question to you, um, 60 seconds. What would you say, how would you respond to the, to the defenders of Bill Cosby, to, to, to Whoopi Goldberg? Well, I, I have uh, utmost respect for Whoopi Goldberg. She's a great comedian. But what I endured with Bill Cosby was no bull by any means. You know, he um, met with me under the pretense of uh, meeting with producers who would further my career. And he surreptitiously, clandestinely slipped drugs into my um, 
blood and he raped me. It was a very traumatic, I wasn't even, I'm a very strong person, you know, I, I'm in, I gave birth to six children without any pain relief, and yet with this strength, because he incapacitated me, I was not even able to push away the pillow from my face that he was using to silence my screams while he was suffocating me, while he was raping me. And then when he finally lifted the pillow and I could finally gasp for air, I could not even wipe away the tears trickling down my temples that were welling in my ears. And so this is no bull. This is real. This is what I experienced. Yeah, I mean, come on, 40 people, right? And so the part that drove me crazy about Whoopi Goldberg is uh, the American courts agree with me. No, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. First of all, when the statute of limitations run out, that doesn't mean that he was innocent. Like, so he might have, let's say it's something else. He, he mugged you in the streets, but seven years later, the statute of limitations runs out. He doesn't get to go around and go, ha ha, see, I didn't mug you seven years ago. No, but we never got to court because the statute of limitations ran out. And second of all, and this is the part that really enraged me, a lot of the reason that, that those women did not go into court is because they were bullied and threatened by Cosby. And so uh, Bernard says, the woman you just said, saw there, said that Cosby told her, as far as I'm concerned, Bernard, you're dead. Do you hear me? You're dead, Bernard. You don't exist. I never want to see your face again. Now get the hell out of here. Okay. So now, look, the rapes are horrific enough. I mean, you don't, you don't need to add anything to that to get outraged, right? And no, 40 people didn't all make it up. And now we have the sworn testimony from Cosby saying he did buy quaaludes to drug women. And he's got his excuses. Well, I didn't drug that particular woman with quaaludes. But, you know, mm -hmm. it's very clear what's happened, right? Uh, and But the part, for whatever reason, that I hadn't thought of is is this part where not only do you rape them, but then afterwards you have to bully them to make sure they don't come out. Right. right. And so to say that to a woman after you raped her, and the description she had there was unbelievable, right? Mm -hmm. And it just makes you such a despicable, despicable person. And, and to use your power against the powerless to rape them and then to threaten them like that, like I'm going to ruin your life if you ever tell people that I raped you. And then what just boils my blood is all those moralistic speeches that Bill Cosby mm -hmm. did. When you add on top of that, oh, you see, it was you, you didn't have personal responsibility, and you know, and you shouldn't have done this, and you shouldn't have done that. All those speeches he gave to the black community, like he was better than them, right? Like it's one thing if you got your stuff in order and you're actually trying to help people and you frame it the right way. It's another thing when you wag your finger and you say, "How dare you do that?" and pull your pants up. Pull your pants up. Look at what he did. He had his pants down as he was raping women, and he went to black people and told them to pull their pants up in public because you, you could see their underwear a little bit. And, and meanwhile, he threatens to kill people, whatever he did. I, mean, <laughs> yes. I, don't, know that, I don't know that he meant that he was physically going to kill her, but he certainly threatened the careers of people. Yeah. He did whatever he had to do to make sure the women he raped didn't come forward. Oh, and then you, Whoopi turns around and defends him. Oh well, you never got him in court. Ha ha. No, it's not ha. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean anything, especially when you consider the statute of limitations. But for all the people that would get angry at the women who came forward decades later, keep in mind that when they were allegedly victims of rape, they were really young and they were very powerless, and they're dealing with someone who was tremendously wealthy very powerful, very much idolized by America. 
And so how do you fight against that, especially when he's threatening you and he's going to tear your character apart in the press, in public, whatever it is, right? So if you're coming forward decades later, it might be because you feel empowered enough to actually finally speak out, right? You might feel like, okay, at least I know I can say something now because he can't touch me, he can't harm me. But when you're like uh, uh, someone in your late teens or early 20s and you're a victim of rape and you're fighting against someone like Bill Cosby, I mean, people are going to doubt you, and he's going to use every resource he has at his disposal to tear you down. And he was still living the good life, you know, and, and he had a couple of shows, if you remember, at the beginning of the mm -hmm. scandal. He had a couple of show, new shows he was going to do. Mm -hmm. Everything was fine yes. for him. He was going to get away with all of yes. it. I'm so glad he got busted. So glad. It, you know, I mean, really, you think all those women, she made that story up about how she couldn't move and the, and the tear rolled into her ear and she remembers the tears welling up in her ears. You think she made that up? But when 40 women come out, all have the same story, is there no bounds of reason where you go, well, maybe at, the, at a minimum, I shouldn't say anything about it because it might be true. Well, come on, are there no bounds of reason? She made the comparison also in that same segment. We didn't show it. She said, well, look at what happened to the Duke lacrosse players, right? They got raked across the coals and they didn't do it. These are not analogous. The Duke lacrosse scandal was one woman accused a bunch of college kids, right? These is 40 women. He admitted it in his own testimony. He had that sealed. He wanted that sealed. You know, he's guilty, but I would say all those women, the reason they didn't tell the truth earlier is because he was looking for the kind of woman who wasn't going to go to, do, to the police afterwards. He groomed them. He did everything you do. Yeah, and he, he searched out the most powerless right. to do this to. And he made like, a mistake in, when he did it to that woman who wasn't powerless from Temple University, and she sued him in civil court. That's where this testimony comes from. Mm -hmm. That's right, yeah. She was the head of something in, at Temple, like the head of the women's athletic or something. Yes. So she wasn't just... So she was willing to fight back. Yeah. For all those years, for all those decades, he scoured... Uh, to see up and coming victims, actresses and to see who would be the least willing to at least able to fight back given their circumstances mm -hmm. right yeah man i have never had a change of opinion about a person more than bill cosby i mean i grew up in the 80s i loved bill cosby right loved yeah. him loved him loved him now uh just one of the most despicable guys uh in america As an anti-consumerism advocate, I would like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and get everything you can get used from a place like Craigslist. You will save yourself a boatload of money and reduce the endless flow of new stuff getting shipped across the world because that seems more convenient than meeting a neighbor. Failing that, try a locally owned small business. Failing that, if you're left with no choice other than to buy something from a place like Amazon, then at least there's a way you can do it and support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, or Amazon.co.uk from the banner at bestofleft.com and shop as you normally would. Better yet, click through on the link to your country's Amazon store only once and then bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whether that be rejecting consumption altogether, consuming sustainably, or at least consuming in a subversive way.
So last week there was a bill in Utah that would have clarified some of the state's rape statute by making clear that a person who is unconscious cannot give their consent. Do you believe that, Michael? A bill had to go through the Utah legislature to clarify that it is rape when you have sex with an unconscious person because they cannot consent to it. Well, a lot of men are raped when they're unconscious. So MRA. That, that, is I, a, that, that actually, I, I mean, I, that alone, I mean, that's the very, that's, that's, that's the actual story. That's mind-boggling. Like, that's not the part where, like, we're going to, like, go to it with the sound that we have. That's just mind-boggling to me in, in itself. It is mind-blowing. But the even more obscene thing, other than the fact that this had to be made clear because local prosecutors and advocates were saying that it was this, this, this not being clear was making it difficult to pursue some rape cases in the state. And it was actually discouraging some women from even coming out and saying that they were raped. But like I was saying, the more obscene part to me is that someone would have the problem with clarifying that it is rape if someone cannot consent. Let's go to that sound. Now, the changes drew some concern from lawmakers, especially when it came to the removal of consent when someone is unconscious. Some legislators said today they didn't like the idea of defining rape as having intercourse with an unconscious person. Pause it for a second. Because it looks to me... Some legislators say... They are worried about defining having sex with an unconscious person who cannot give consent rape. I don't even know how to process that. Just, just let's, let's hear from one of these legislators. Representative, he's Republican, Brian Green. Because it looks to me now like sex with an un, unconscious person is by definition rape. I hope this wouldn't happen, but this opens the door to it. A uh, an individual has sex with their wife while she is unconscious, or he, you know, the other way around, if that's possible. I don't know. Um, but uh, a prosecutor could then charge that spouse with rape. Well, let's just clarify what he's not sure about. Yes, it is possible that a man can be raped, but what? What, what, what? What, what, what? I mean, give it a... Wow! This guy, Representative Brian Green, isn't sure if having sex with an unconscious person who cannot give consent should always count as rape. What do you say to someone who thinks that way? And the scary part is, he wasn't just an outlier in this very small it group. Must have, everybody else must have laughed in the, at him. Yeah, so you, you, you would wish. Right? But he wasn't even the outlier in this already very small group of Utah legislators who came together to discuss this bill. Representative, also Republican, LeVar Christensen said always counting sex with an unconscious person as rape would make the definition... I, I can't. I can't even believe I'm reading this. Too broad. Hi, I'm Representative Lavar Christensen, and uh, I would just like to pose this scenario out there. I got a friend. Uh, uh, his name is Lamar 
Christopherson. <laughs> and he would like to have unconscious sex with his wife. I don't think that's rape. Well, let me tell you something, guys. Let me tell you something, Representative Brian Green and Representative LeVar Christensen. If a man is having sex with his wife and she does not give him consent, regardless of the fact that they are married, that, my friends, is rape. Unbelievable. It's just... uh it, it, it really is stunning that act, that actually needs to be publicly. St- it's stunning that and, and that is already on the books. And it's stunting that that actually needs to be publicly you stated. You what's even more dis- disturbing, actually, the fact that they need to twist in term to find what they view in their head. Here's that word that comes up they like to use when they talk about rape. They need to twist and turn a and try to come up with a legitimate reason why this bill would hurt good people who aren't actually committing who aren't trying to commit real legitimate rape If you're still struggling with consent, just imagine instead of initiating sex, you're making them a cup of tea. You say, hey, would you like a cup of tea? And they go, oh my god, fuck yes, I would fucking love a cup of tea, thank you. Then you know they want a cup of tea. If you say, hey, would you like a cup of tea? And they're like, uh, you know, I'm not really sure. Uh, then you could make them a cup of tea, or not, but be aware they might not drink it. And if they don't drink it, then, and this is the important part, don't make them drink it. Just because you made it doesn't mean you are entitled to watch them drink it. And if they say no thank you, then don't make them tea. At all. Just don't make them tea. Don't make them drink tea. Don't get annoyed at them for not wanting tea. They just don't want tea, okay? They might say, yes please, that's kind of you. And then when the tea arrives, they actually don't want the tea at all. Sure, that's kind of annoying, as you've gone to all the effort of making the tea, but they remain under no obligation to drink the tea. They did want tea, now they don't. Some people change their mind in the time that it takes to boil the kettle, brew the tea, and add the milk. And it's okay for people to change their mind. And you are still not entitled to watch them drink it. And if they're unconscious, don't make them tea. Unconscious people don't want tea. And they can't answer the question, do you want tea? Because they're unconscious. Okay, maybe they were conscious when you asked them if they wanted tea. And they said yes. But in the time it took you to boil the kettle, brew the tea, and add the milk, they are now unconscious. You should just put the tea down. Make sure the unconscious person is safe. And this is the important part again. Don't make them drink the tea. They said yes then, sure, but unconscious people don't want tea. If someone said yes to tea, started drinking it, and then passed out before they'd finished it, Don't keep on pouring it down their throat. Take the tea away. Make sure they're safe, because unconscious people don't want tea. Trust me on this. If someone said yes to tea around your house last Saturday, that doesn't mean they want you to make them tea all the time. They don't want you to come around to their place unexpectedly and make them tea and force them to drink it, going, but you wanted tea last week. 
or to wake up to find you pouring tea down their throat, going, but you wanted tea last night. But if you can understand how completely ludicrous it is to force people to have tea when they don't want tea, and you're able to understand when people don't want tea, then how hard is it to understand it when it comes to sex? Whether it's tea or sex, consent is everything. And on that note, I'm going to go make myself a cup of tea. My name is Victoria Valentino. I'm Louisa Moritz. My name is Joyce Emmons. My name is Janice Dickinson. My name is Barbara Bowman. My name is Lily Bernard. He was very calculating. He was very manipulative. He knew exactly what he was doing. You should not let any person who does harm to your body get away with not being brought to justice. So I had to tell that is just part of the remarkable piece assembled by New York Magazine, which interviewed 35 Bill Cosby accusers. And joining me now, senior editor at New York Magazine, Norman Malone, uh, who has the byline on the article. Uh, just first of all, this is phenomenal first-rate journalism. Um, so thank you for doing it. It's, thank you. It was a magazine-wide effort. It uh, truly was. Well, it was a magazine-wide effort that was then taken down by some hacker attack today? Yeah, our website was down for a lot of the day, but it's back up now, and you can read it both in print and online. Okay, and apparently unrelated, at least the heck that... I, you have to who talk knows? to the, yeah, who knows? I have to interview the hacker. Yeah. Okay. Um, it is now up, and you can read it. Um, how long did it take? How did this come together, and how long did it take? So this process started all the way back in December. Um, our photo director, Jody Kwan, um, had been reading the news, as we all had, in the wake of Hannibal Burris um, doing the bit about Bill Cosby being a serial rapist. Woman, more and more women were coming forward one by one. They were publishing in the Washington Post. They were publishing in Huffington Post. They were doing press conferences almost every day. There was a bit of news about Cosby. Um, and Jody saw before everyone else saw that if you could get them all together in one place and take a picture, um, there would be a lot of power in just having all of those women standing together, like literal strength in numbers. What did you, what struck you? as you went through the process. And these there are extensive interviews. You can read and watch some of the interviews. You can read them uh, on the website. And they were all done, I should be clear, and this is important, individually, right? So it's not like uh, a group of people so that, you know, detail right. sync up, right? right? These are all individual people telling their story. So the similarities were um, really striking. Um, the alleged incidents, a lot of them had a lot of things in common, for one thing. Um, a lot of the women were aspiring models or actresses, very young, very early in their careers. Um, one was 17 at the time? Yeah, uh, teenagers. Um, and, you know, they said, oh, my, my agent told me that, you know, Bill Cosby wants to mentor me. And you show up here, you're going to do a line reading. Um, and then in many cases they said that uh, their their drinks were drugged and they woke up naked um, or during, like, during a rape. Um, and so, so just those stories, but also the way that the women thought about what had happened to them. Um, a lot of these incidents happened in the 60s and 70s, particularly uh, when there literally was not the vocabulary to talk about Absolutely. what had happened to them. Date rape was not, had not been coined. No one knew what acquaintance rape was. They just felt horrible about what had happened. Many of them blamed themselves. They, you know, they told people, but they never even thought of coming forward because they didn't think about it as rape. They thought about it as, you know, a night gone very, very badly with a famous guy. It's, you, you do a very good job of drawing that out in the, in the, in the article about 
in some ways, these sort of shifting moral norms and shifting conceptions uh, for the better. I mean, well, one of the weird, this is such a dark story. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so dark. Yeah. It's just unspeakably dark in many ways. The kind of, in some ways, the hopeful silver lining here is that, like, we now unambiguously understand this, if it happened again, mm -hmm. as alleged, by 35 different people. As rape, even President Obama said it. Even the president said it in New. I mean, as as this just a sort of statement of fact, which yeah. even at the moment sort of struck you as like it's weird that we have to say that. <laughs> but but when I read your your piece and when I read some of the interviews where people said I felt horrible and traumatized and violated, but I didn't know what had just happened right. in any kind of like strict legal or conceptual sense. Right. There's one woman um, who her daughter is a teenage, was raped when she was a teenager. You know, her daughter, I think, is 28 or 29 now. Um, and she said her daughter just had a totally different way of dealing with it than she did. She, she talked about it. She, you know, mm. she talked to anyone she could make listen about it. And she said that she'd learned a lot from her daughter. And that was another interesting thing in this article. I felt like these women who, you know, are older, the youngest um, that we interviewed is in her 40s. But I really felt like they had, the, the culture around rape activism has really changed, largely thanks, in, especially in recent years, to campus activism. Yep. And I feel like these women were looking to some of those lessons from these younger women, especially about how to use social media, how to sort of band together. On this point of social media, there's this debate about the ways in which kind of social media can, can be a kind of mob, right? Mm -hmm. it, can, it can shame people, and sometimes for really silly things. But this also struck me as like the other side of it, which is like there is a public shaming, and there are survivors who talk about the strength of social media, a public shaming that has been done through social media that was blocked before. Right. Um, yeah, one of the women said, you know, even in 2005, which was when Andrea Khan said, um, you know, pursued legal action with Bill Cosby, it was shut down pretty well. I mean, it was quickly. on the Today Show, yeah. and then it was... Well, and, and people, you know, there were a bunch of articles that sort of implicitly implied, oh, these women are, you know, out to make a quick buck. And right. that has not been the reaction this time around. I think people really uh, want to listen to these women now. Here at Best of the Left, we know that it's not enough just to stay informed. You need to get active if you actually want to change the world for the better. That's why we promote great activism opportunities every chance we get. Also, I can only reach so many people on my own, but with your help, we can extend that reach. The episode show notes are most likely available on the device you're using to listen right now, and if they're not, you can see them on the website. Simply click the title of any segment you want to share and then easily post it to your social networks or send it directly to friends. You joining these actions and helping amplify the show to get even more people involved is critical to our mission to change the world for the better. Get started right now in the show notes on the device you're using or visit the website from any device at bestoftheleft.com. You've reached the activism portion of today's show. Now that you're informed and angry, here's what you can do about it. Today's activism, tell Congress to protect funding that supports victims of sexual violence and helps catch rapists. The first round of rape accusations were leveled at Bill Cosby a decade ago. But thanks to a culture that counts one man's word and carefully crafted reputation more heavily than the collective experiences of 14 women, that reputation is just now taking an actual hit. Remarkably, 
remarkably, some people still refuse to believe any of the now 35 women publicly on the record, their stories told together in New York Magazine last month. This unwillingness to believe survivors is not only the reason 97% of rapists will never see so much as a day in jail. Centuries of shrugging off a crime that disproportionately affects women, transgender, and gender nonconforming people has led to a massive backlog of untested rape kits. Untested evidence allows serial offenders to continue unabated because those victims who wish to report don't have access to the other connected reports that bolster their cases. Some research says that of sexual assaults just on college campuses, that up to 90% of them are committed by serial offenders. Getting kits tested, even those where the statute of limitations has expired, is crucial. RAIN, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, has an action for the current federal budget season. The Top Priorities in Congress section of the RAIN.org policy tab lists protecting funding that supports victims of sexual violence as the fastest, most important way you can get involved with helping survivors. Using the simple script and sample post provided, you can email, call, and or tweet your representative and senator and ask them to support funding that helps survivors and holds perpetrators accountable. The federal budget is being appropriated right now, and every day the backlog of untested kits grows. As the RAIN script says, quote, Every two minutes, another American is sexually assaulted. More than half of these crimes are never reported to police, and 97% of rapists will never spend a day in jail. We can and must do better. The segment notes include all of the links to this information as well as additional resources, and as always, this and every activism segment we produce is archived and organized under the Activism tab at bestoftheleft.com. If making justice available to those who want it matters to you, be sure to hit the share buttons to spread the word about protecting funding for sexual assault victims via social media so that others in your network can speak out too. Activism. out from in front of the television bust out of your self-imposed media prison there's a whole big world out there y'all and some serious stuff is going down civil war intolerance aids obliteration the usual madness but not enough frustration about what's troubling earth's nations the spotlight will not be your savior in these dark days and it will not be your saving grace why not replace your dreams of gracing life stage Yesterday, they released um, the cover of, uh, is it this week's or this month's? I, I don't know how often the New Yorker comes out. Is it a week? New York Magazine. New York Magazine, sorry. And I think it's monthly. Monthly, monthly? Yeah. okay. Well, thank you for make, give, make, letting me know that all the information I thought I had was completely and totally wrong. I appreciate for that. Um, <laughs> no no print magazines can handle weeklies anymore. More? I mean, I, weekly. Is, is it a, is it a, that doesn't even count as a magazine. Yeah, you know? really, I agree with that. Um, so they released the cover of their new magazine, and their the lead story is uh, speaking with uh, the accusers of Bill Cosby, uh, one by one. And so they actually were able to get, I believe, 35 of the 47 women that have uh, um, uh, placed accusations against Mr. Cosby. And uh, 35 of them uh, came in and actually did uh, like uh, like little like articles. Like they, they had interviews and took pictures and all of that. Uh, and they basically, the cover of, of New York Magazine is all 35 women at once. Like just seeing the numbers on the on the cover, and then there is one empty chair, and that's represents 
the, those who haven't come out, those who maybe uh, uh, all the people that haven't actually uh, come out because they're still afraid, they're still worried, they're still uh, concerned about how society will actively treat them. Um, on, and so it's this, this, the empty chair is there. And I saw the cover last night. And like, I, I, as I've said numerous times, obviously we don't need, uh, numbers in order to believe women. That's not unnecessary, but seeing 35 women photographed on, on, on that, like on the record, like on, on, on a, on a magazine cover and then the empty chair, like I didn't, like I just didn't know what to do with it. Like it was, it was, it was shocking to me. Um, and even, like I said, knowing this, I mean, Amani, like, like, I, I, I think we've discussed this on the show so many times about, like, that, uh, like, how many women have dealt with this, uh, and how, like, how it's, uh, you'd be surprised the people in your life that might have actually had this situation. But at the same time, like, seeing, seeing that and the representation of that on the magazine. Yeah, it was pretty, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. I watched it and I was just, I saw it and I just was like, damn. I think that's the that's the way to describe it. I just, damn, and then the empty chair. Just, damn, you know what was amazing to me? Uh, that is one of the most diverse things I've seen in a minute. How that's fucked really up is that? Fucked up. Yeah, How yeah. fucked yeah. up is that? But it, okay, I mean, he two. said it was from ages and, and way, twenty to eighty. Counting? We are still counting. We can't, can we? Can we not count today? I feel like we listen, should get a. We, like, we, 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 get have, a we have a system. Do we? We have a system, and so we count the apps. And and I would actually argue that it was it wasn't that it wasn't that diverse of a. Of it was. A list. A, I mean, I ages mean, age wise, twenty to eighties. Age wise, but like that's about all it. All different. No, there were different. It was, it was all it different was, races. Mostly, mostly white women and some black women. As, but okay, see that's not diversity. If, if you have if you have different like thirty five, if you have thirty five different people, noses, see, this some why, had freckles, this some why, did not. This is why we don't always give the microphone to lead white correspondent <laughs> because you say stuff like diverse when it's like I think there might have been three or four black women on there. Different and like, religions. It's like out of thirty uh, thirty six that thirty five that's not that's not diverse. Age wise, it was a wide range of ages. That's correct, but it was not uh, like that. Um, so, so I, 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 yeah, and so. The comment, like immediately when it, when it happened, I saw it and uh, I had uh, tweeted out the cover, and a couple of people were responding, uh, and like Bree Newsom uh, was like, "Oh, like, like the, the empty chair," and the people were talking about it, and I hashtagged. I was like, the em- I, "Like I hashtagged the image with the empty chair," which by the I know uh, people will probably uh, you did might have read some articles. Hashtag? I started the hashtag. Of oh, course I did, okay. and no one listed uh, listed that. Elon James White started the no, empty chair hashtag. But, but, Everybody stop, note that now. Uh, but the point is that um, I didn't even I didn't want uh, I haven't actually like. Normally, like I'd be like, "The hell, why didn't you do?" Because I feel like this is not like I don't. It's not, not about really me. The time. It's not the time. It's not. The, it's not the time. No, That's but why. I'm just saying when everybody does their half-ass news article, where I they mean, compile half, a bunch of tweets, let's just article, give credit. Half where... the articles already come out. Like the, the, the most that it, uh, has been said was, I think Mashable was like, uh, Elon James White was one of the first to, to, to say it was as opposed to like, no, I was, I was the first. It's first not really that hard to figure. There are literally websites you can go to. Of course, there is. And if you are a journalist, as many of these people are, it's. Do do some research. Like I don't understand. It's, I, I, it's, people are so lazy. Speaking, I mean, this is way off topic, but there was <laughs> there was some white woman in the Atlantic who credited Taylor Swift with inventing the term squad. I'm sorry, what? I said there was some white woman in the Atlantic who credited Taylor Swift and Lena Dunham and a bunch of white women, white women, Wait, as coming up with the word squad. Does squad means something new now. No, as in the same squad that like people have been saying in the black community and in hip hop for decades. Or just the fact that a squad is not actually a, that's not even I don't even think we made it, that word up. Yeah, but 
if you're talking, but the way that they were talking about but it, it's like yeah, rolling it's, with your squad. They were talking right. about it in the terms of AAE, AAVE, rolling with your squad. And yeah, that's all, oh, that's all Taylor Swift. Oh, yeah. Not no. Busta Rhyme. No, 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 everyone no, 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 it is, uh, from Caucasian. It, from it is, <laughs> it is Taylor Swift. I mean, anything she does, once she does it, then it's, it's, it's her. she has originated it again. Uh, it erases history. That's how powerful, uh, privileged white women are. What, they what erase history. What are you saying, Aaron? with Brooklyn or something? She was, uh, she was in fact the Brooklyn, uh, the ambassador of New York for a while. She was explaining to people what bodegas were. She created Brooklyn. Oh God, I forgot about that. She yeah, genetically not, modified the cat to become not, the bodega cat. That is a thing that she did. I forgot to take pictures because they had a lot of pictures of Taylor Swift that were or wildly vandalized. And I forgot to take pictures of them. I, well, I, mean, I, I couldn't look directly at them because it was an abomination. But they were comfortably vandalized by the great citizens of Brooklyn. Well, I mean, well, yes. But so the conversation, like, again, it started the empty chair. And people started talking about the fact that they, they in fact... Are city are are in that empty chair that they did they haven't they hadn't come out before because they were for various reasons for fear for uh, uh for uh, for fear of not being believed for a, a retribution against people uh, from people that um would have seen it and I was I was basically uh I was curating the uh, the hashtag last night so I'm retweeting and retweeting and putting people out I got put in Twitter jail for a while because I was I was pushing too hard um and so what happened was that um. Someone tweeted at me. They said, "You know, half of these tweets are going to be gone by tomorrow because people aren't people are going to take them down because they don't want they're not going to want to leave this stuff out there." Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, I got like a I got a a, a instant messenger a a direct message on Twitter or two, uh, basically telling me their their uh, the empty chair story. And I was like, "Do you want me to share this?" They're like, "I can't do it. Could you share it publicly?" I was like. Okay, and so I shared it. Like it's like a DM I just got, and I was like, "This happened." And um, then I and I and I said this, I, I, and I could not have predicted the response when I, to the, when I said, "Hey, if you actually if you want to be able to share what happened to you, but you feel uncomfortable doing it on the hashtag or whatever, then you can." My DMs are open because like uh, Twitter uh, opened up, uh, made it that DMs on Twitter you can actually leave your DMs open so anyone on Twitter can DM you, or only the people that you follow. Like that's the way it used to work, but like you can go either way. And I've left mine's on whatever because I, I I like to know exactly who's coming for me when they're coming. And so like if you if you're gonna uh, say some shit to me, like just br- bring it to my face. And so I left it open, and I. The amount of women that responded with their own stories and just say, could you please share this anonymously? Could you please put this out? And, like, I just got through last night's numbers about about maybe an hour and a half ago this today. Like, I thought I was just going to post everything last night. I couldn't. There were so many stories. I then started saying I would post all day today. Even post, I posted for hours today and I'm still not through my list that's in my DMs. I think I've put out, I'm not even kidding at this point, I put out 90 stories of women and, and, and actually, and a dude. Uh, I, 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 I went up like, like, uh, cis women, trans women, this dude, uh, speaking out and which, and the dude thing was like, like, struck me because he was like, um, that like he can't even be a victim because on the on the on uh, in certain states there he's not even allowed that, that you can't rape a man a woman can't rape a man yeah. at all yeah. and so he's like I so I, I can't even be a victim in my own my own abuse whatever which is 
just like mess with me. And there's some of the stories that was being sent in about like about like like being uh, happening in the church, happening uh, uh, by uh, by by like family members, fathers, brothers, uncles, people like or, or your stepfather and someone, and then you telling your parents, and then them telling you you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And did happen. you did you other than that were there any similarities that you found? With I mean, all these stories? The, I mean, a lot of them there were still there were still a lot of apologies happening. Even now, mm. like I'm apologizing s- for not telling their no, story. No, apologizing, apologizing like, like, for-, uh, uh, for like I'm sorry if this was too long. I'm sorry. Like they were still like almost like 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 and uh, to the point where there were some people who were still say, uh, 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 grappling with the idea that something even happened that they were still still talking to themselves through it. And and again, like say, I'm sorry about this. I, I, I um if this is too long, I'm sorry. And I'm like. I, I kept telling me, and so the reason why it's also taking me, I'm up to like, like, send my round 90, but I could, I didn't feel comfortable just posting these things without saying anything to these, these folks. Right. So I would respond, everyone I've, I've posted, I have personally responded to. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and. That's probably more of a response than they've gotten from anybody, frankly. I mean. That's, that's, that's how ingrained rape culture is in our society. That women, that a lot of women feel more comfortable sharing their story with someone who, who, someone like you, who they know that you respect women and that you speak about these things and then you have like a media presence and they, they know your sort of your heart. They feel more comfortable telling you, who you may be a stranger to them, but they still feel like they know you, than they do telling their friends or their family because they are probably watching their friends and family defend Bill Cosby and looking at them going, well, I was raped, but now I'm not going to tell you because I can't trust you. I mean, I heard stories about like people. They, uh, they, they, they stories like like, like how th- th- one of their 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 boyfriend's friend did it, and then when they told the boyfriend, the boyfriend didn't believe them or said, "What am I going to do?" and would remain friends with this person. Like the amount of stories that I I've heard, and I'm going to be honest with you, Aaron. I'm not good right now. No. It's not something that, it, it's something that affected my day. And I honestly didn't think we were going to be on the air because I just the sheer, just the sheer volume of those stories and looking at you go through all of them. And I had a feeling that you were responding to as many of those as possible. I mean, if you, so, if, if I, any, any story you saw that I posted, I did respond to the person. I was like, and, 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 and the things that I felt, I felt my words were hollow, but I was like, I just felt like I needed, I'd like to say like, listen, I believe you. Like, I like, 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 like many of us care. I care. This shouldn't have happened. This isn't your fault. And the fact is, like, there's another space online uh, that actually does this, um, um, and it's been doing it for, I believe, uh, years at this point. Ah, crap! Of course, now um, um, I don't remember the uh, the, the URL because I didn't have it right next to me. Uh, but I, I believe the URL is something like I, I believe you, and it's not your fault. Dot uh, on Tumblr. Um, it's uh, run by uh, Lindy West. And, uh, and I, and I'm, I'm gonna mess She's up her. Great. I'm gonna She's mess really up great. She wrote a really great article recently about being a fat bride and how wonderful she felt and how celebrated she felt. Yeah, she's been on the fat bride tip for like a year now. And it's <laughs> Is really, that a, that's a, that's, that's a thing. That's and a it's genre. been great to watch because she gets <laughs> trolled so hard by people who just want to tear her down, who want to make her feel ugly or less than or inferior. And she's like, she's like, carefree fat girl, like whatever, you know, you don't bother me. And, and but she, and she's doing this project with, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, it's, it's Exactly that. I believe you. It's not your fault. Tumblr. Uh, run by Lindy West, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna screw it up, but I'm gonna try Ooh. it anyway. Uh, oh, this is tough. It's a uh, tough one. Geoma Alua, I believe. Uh, L J E O M A is the first name. Oh yeah. 
O L U O. O L U O. Follow her on Twitter. I, uh, yeah, I'm I'm ruining her name as a black woman uh, and Lindy West uh, who, who run this space, and they've been posting uh, these uh, type of things for a while. And I like again, I didn't, I just didn't, uh, uh, I hadn't been aware that this that it existed. And in all honesty, like I like I wasn't I wasn't trying to like make a space around that. I I if you want to know truthfully, I thought that maybe six or seven. Post because because I think I I also made this offer at like ten o'clock no 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 I'm sorry it was eight fifty or nine o'clock at night our time which midnight on the east coast I'm thinking that it's just not going to be that many people who are going to just randomly tell a uh, tell a stranger on Twitter their you know, their their, uh, their story for them to uh, to post I just didn't believe that and then. Once it started happening, I was doing it on my phone. I was on my phone last night trying to do, uh, like, trying to cut up the, uh, because I wanted to, like, post what they were saying, but I wanted to make sure that they, all their information was gone. So trying to, like, crop the, all their, their comments, put it up, and then, like, also respond to them. I was staring at my phone for so long, like, my eye became blurry, and I couldn't actually yeah. see my phone anymore. Yeah. And that's when I finally got uh, at the point where I was like, I'm tired, I can't do this, and my heart's broken. Yeah. And then this morning, immediately I got up and I started posting them again and they're just still coming in. And I'm just like, I don't, I didn't, I couldn't have imagined so many people wanted, like, wanted it heard. They like, I need people. They to need to hear tell it. somebody because probably they've never told anybody and just saying something out loud, getting it off your chest really can just help. It can Carrying be very that around is tough. It is tough. And it's, I think it's, it's interesting with some people who wait a long time to say something. It's like you need to wait until you give yourself permission to talk about it. Right. And then imagine these, these, and imagine what you, when, you know, if you're talking about some of these, these Cosby victims who've waited fucking decades, decades to have, to be able to find another person and say, oh God, it happened to you too. And to have this weird, bizarre community now of these, there are at least the 34 or 35 women that were on this New York magazine cover. Like what a weird, just kind of creepy, but also really sort of, uplifting group to be a part of because now at least there are 34 other people who you can talk to about what happened to you 20, 30, 40, 10, 5 years ago. I mean, it's like, it's just... But the empty chair. And the empty chair is so real because each of these women talked about how they know women that it happened to and they still they still won't come forward. They don't want to be number 47, number 48, 49, 50. I mean, that's... Do we know when he started doing this how many years ago? I don't know, but like it's the victims, like you said, uh, are all the way up into their 80s. So and as young as in their 20s, which means he's been doing this like that was the last that was yeah. pretty recent, yeah. most likely. I I mean I just the, the and and the thing is that when I posted the picture last night, I still had people uh, calling them lying bitches. Like, but and you Wait, guys know you were posting. I po- I posted uh when I posted the uh, when I posted the cover. I posted the cover saying like wow and I said like uh, and I made a point I was like I don't believe that numbers are required for us to believe women we should just believe but at the same time holy crap. Yeah. And I saw people uh, uh tweeting uh tweeting me uh and um it was I was amazed that like like people were still saying shitty things and I'm like 
How, how, what are, what are you doing? Like, and like Emily knows someone like, like this dude that we used to know who I, who actually we had like a kind of a, uh, we had a falling out like around, uh, talking about the Cosby thing. Cause at a certain point I just told him stop posting on my damn page and I blocked him because he was, uh, he was like saying shit. And I'm like, women are on the page literally talking about their experiences and you're like, how about, but like, but you don't know, you don't know about, uh, uh what happened in this situation trying to defend Cosby. I'm like, dude, this is just not That's the space the for that. It's and what are you, why are you still defending him? Well, I know, please. No, so that because was, he wasn't is, convicted in a court of law. So this is, months this is ago. just a lot of people saying something. So this is a lot. Uh, this is months ago where I had that him and him and his friend. Uh, I ended up having like beef with uh, flat out, and then so I just ended up blocking them. Um, but then apparently Emily was still just happened to be friends uh, on Facebook with him because we like like we, we all knew the dude, and he flat out said like if you were like, like this morning like it's it's bullshit. They're gonna uh, uh next thing you know they're gonna uh, put uh, have a cover with the parents of the victims or something like that to try to make you feel bad again. If you think that this is the problem, then like then unfollow me or whatever. And he was he was also saying like you know later in comments you know I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to disrespect the victims, and I'm not saying that didn't happen. I just feel like, you know, we're we're convicting people in a a court of public opinion and blah, blah, blah. But again, and... and because sometimes the court of public opinion is all these women have. True. I I also feel like when you have, when you have so many people come forth with the exact for, same story, there's well, something there. Well, I saw someone claim that that's because of puppet masters. Someone's pulling the strings. Oh, that's oh, why they all have the same God story. Sakes. And then, and then for, I mean, but like, also remember a lot of these dudes that was that are saying all this would flip the hell out if the, you said that about uh Zimmerman or you said that right. about uh, uh like these uh these unarmed uh killings of, uh, uh, by police officers and things like that. If you were like, well, they weren't convicted, you they were like F you, white supremacy, they'd flip the F out. Mm-hmm. But now, because it's women and it's not something that we have to deal with, and they're 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 so worried about in all honesty, I, I'm, and I'm going to say this, and it might, I might get in trouble. People are more worried about the fact that they might be labeled a rapist because of some uh, froggy shit that they did when they, like, when they might have uh, 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 did something with a, a woman who mm-hmm. wasn't completely uh-huh. there. Uh-huh. They were drunk or they were asleep or some shit like that. So they basically are uh, are fighting tooth and nail, not even just to protect Cosby, but to protect their own uh, sense of identity yep. and understanding whether or not they have actually perpetrated such a a horrible thing. And because like yep. when I posted these things i posted all type stories i posted i posted from gang rapes to women who were with their boyfriend and like, like they woke up in the middle of it and they were like oh, oh oh did you just start this and then they realized like wait were you were you doing this with me for before i was even awake like the story came down that like she said like she found like lotion on her and inside of her and she was because she said she woke up and she was like oh i thought he was playing around with me so like then i kind of like joined in but then i realized like wait you didn't wait for me to do this and then i had like one one woman was said like i was like i sit in the chair because it was my husband how would i well like who would believe that my husband raped me do you understand this is no, I know. I, I, mean, I mean, I'm not asking you. I am, do you I know. I am getting like, nowhere near your Twitter feed. I mean, yeah. I looked at it. I was like, I, nope, I can't. I, no, I, no. I couldn't. No, I was like, I'm, too much. Real talk. Like, and honestly, I was prepared. I was like, I'm people about going to start unfollowing me right now, and I and I just have to accept that because I I can't not post this because like this, these these stories like, like the fact is if people are gonna uh, are following me and I and I have any type of platform because especially after apparently we we, we upset all, all, all the whole progressive space and 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 and, uh, and shit I'm like fine then you know what if you're paying attention why don't you pay attention to all these stories yeah, that are coming down yeah. that and, and 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 read this because because a bunch of people a bunch of people and producers and shit like that all follow me so I'm like bet. Here's this. Why don't you? Why don't you really deal with the uh, the idea of what the empty chair really means?
Jay. It's Ruben from San Jose calling in on the subject of Howard Zinn's analysis of the rift that the rich have created between various members of the working class in order to prevent them from forming a solidarity and waging uh, like a class struggle in order to end exploitation. Yes, it's definitely true that there was a wedge driven between poor blacks and poor whites within the plantation model, within the, within the slavery model. That is, that whites were elevated to the title of indentured servant where black people were relegated to the title of slaves and as such were treated more as property and less as a low-wage worker. And the whole point of this, like the southern the plantation owners would have been more than happy to use the poor white people as slaves as well, but they recognized that that broad coalition of black and white slaves would stand as a potential threat. So they use the poor whites to not only serve as a buffer, but to also serve as wardens of the black slaves, just to, I guess, to like basically take the pressure, take some of the fear away of the bourgeoisie of having their status challenged. And I wanted to also expand the scope of that political endeavor by the rich to create a hierarchy whereby which their power can be maintained while others can be subjugated in due course. So you can kind of see this hierarchy of peanuts that have been awarded to the various members excluded from the ruling class where you have ostensibly uh, black, queer, women of color at the bottom with like the fewest rights, the least access to um, economic resources in society, and also working, if, if they can even find a job, under the fear of like, attack, of subjugation by other people higher up the totem pole. So more contemporarily, you could see the dichotomy between um, black porters and white police officers, you know, um, we've been dealing with, you know, this whole time, but uh, recently we've been getting a lot of attention on these instances of people being harassed by police on their way home from work. Just recently, Democracy Now! ran a story about a Chicano man who was shot by police on his way home from work with friends because he was trying to tell the police that he hadn't stole his brother's bike. The police were apparently dispatched looking for a stolen bicycle and ended up shooting a family member of the person whose bike had been stolen. So the relevance here is that police officers may occupy a more advantaged and privileged space in society, but they certainly, you know, like have their own economic concerns and they are certainly not, you know, occupying the same sort of privileged space as, say, you know, a CEO or a business person. So you can see that a person will be kept in a state of uncertainty and depending on what sort of privileges they may have, whether that is skin color, gender, whether they are disabled or not, they, they will be elevated above some of their peers and in turn asked by their employers, that is to say, at the end of the day, the ruling class, to subjugate those 
apparently beneath them. And I just wanted to sort of drive that point home that this is like a huge underlying motivation in the decisions of, you know, particularly pernicious capitalists like Sheldon, like the Sheldon Adelsons of the world and such. Thank you so much for the work you do, Jay. Talk to you later. Hi, Jay. This is Matt from Maryland. I'm that libertarian that called a couple weeks ago, but there was some crackle on my phone, so my name was inaudible. I'll say it again just in case there's another uh, crackle. My name is Matt. And I wanted to bring up something I did hear on your show about poverty, and that is inflation. Before you think this is just some boring thing, hear me out. Inflation is not when things become more expensive, as people might think it is. It's actually when the money loses its purchasing power. So, of course, this hurts the poor more than it hurts anybody else because their money will buy less of the essentials that they need. This may not seem as bad, but inflation is not a natural phenomenon. It is something that the Federal Reserve causes to happen on purpose. I'll say that again. The Federal Reserve is causing poor people to lose their purchasing power on their money on purpose. This is their goal. This is what they are very open about. And that wouldn't be as sinister as it is, but it gets worse. The Federal Reserve gives newly printed money out of nowhere that it creates to Wall Street bankers first. Wall Street gets the benefit of that money before it loses its purchasing power. By the time that it makes its way down to poor people, it's lost a lot of the purchasing power. So it's enriching Wall Street and it's hurting poor people. This issue seems like it would be it should be catnip for progressives, but I have not heard a lot of progressive opinions on it, and I would love to hear what you all have to say. The Federal Reserve needs to go. It was established by Wall Street banks. It is for Wall Street banks, and it doesn't do any normal people any bit of good. For more information, I would invite you to read Ron Paul's book and the Fed. Thanks a lot. Keep up the good work. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to the volunteers who helped gather clips to make this show possible. Thanks to Katie Klebusik for all of her work on our social media outlets and activism segments. And thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you'd like to leave a comment or question of your own to be played on the show, you can either record a message on the voice memo app of your phone and email it to me, j at bestoftheleft.com, or leave a voicemail at 202-999-3991. In either case, if you can keep your message short and sweet, your chances of being played on the show are much better. So today I've decided to take the bait and give my thoughts about inflation. Uh, not exactly my area of expertise, but I seem to know a little bit more about it than our libertarian caller. So let's get into it. To start, I am very critical of many things. Capitalism, for one, especially neoliberal capitalism, uh, the whole concept of a consumption-based economy, NPR in general, planet money in particular and their ties to big banks, Wall Street, of course, and the fact that the Fed is managed by these big banks. Uh, I'm, I'm critical of all these things, so I've got a lot of grievances, and I would love to see a whole lot of things changed about the way we manage our economy and what goals we set for ourselves as a society. But the small amount of inflation we have isn't anywhere on the list of things I'm worried about because the possible alternative to inflation sounds much worse, namely deflation. So we can look at it from two angles, investors first and then consumers, which is a bit like supply side and demand side economics. 
So first, if you think that a healthy economy tomorrow requires investment today, then listen to this short clip from NPR and Planet Money, who I listen to with a critical ear, as they explain the investment side of deflation in what seems like a fairly innocuous way. For the past seven decades, prices overall have headed in one direction, up. But consumer prices are now barely rising at a rate of just 1%, and some fear they might actually start falling. That's called deflation, and it's got at least one prominent economist worried. We'll hear from him in just a moment. First, though, Planet Money's Adam Davidson explains just what's wrong with prices that go down rather than up. Ladies and gentlemen, I have an amazing investment opportunity for you. Give me $100, just $100, and in one year, I promise it will be worth $93. We call it the deflation special. All right, seriously, nobody is giving anybody $100 just so they can lose seven. That's the opposite of an investment opportunity, which is precisely why economists and central bankers get terrified when they hear the word deflation. Technically, deflation means that the prices of all kinds of goods and services keep falling rather than what they normally do, which is rise. And deflation means that not just one investment, but all investments are worth less next year because the currency they are based on, like the U.S. dollar, is going to be worth less next year. When there's deflation, especially persistent high deflation, the very logic of investing in the future is destroyed. Why pay money to build a new factory or buy a house or hire an employee or go to school if the payoff will be worth less than the money you put in? Imagine an economy where nobody invests in the future. It is grim. The Great Depression was the last time the U.S. had major deflation. Deflation, once it starts, is extremely hard to stop, which is why the Federal Reserve is doing everything it can to prevent it. Although all the tools used to prevent deflation, like increasing the money supply and keeping interest rates incredibly low, can cause another problem, inflation. Now, central bankers tend to think that they can stop inflation more easily than deflation. So given the choice, they'll inflate. Adam Davidson, NPR News. Now, if you'd prefer to look at it from a demand-side economic view, which I recommend, and you wonder what the average person is likely to do in the event of a deflationary cycle rather than the uh, (coughs) job creators, then let's take a look at what economist Amir Sufi has to say on deflation. And even though I probably disagree with him on all kinds of economic matters, I can't see any reason for disagreeing with his assessment given the nature of our current consumer economy. So he says... Deflation is a term that refers to a situation when there is a sustained drop in prices in the economy. Policymakers are very concerned about a possible deflationary cycle. When prices start to drop, consumers may believe that prices will drop further. As a result, they delay consumption, i.e. buying stuff, which makes the drop in prices inevitable. A sharp drop in prices also leads to businesses cutting back on investment, production, and employment because they cannot sell goods at profitable prices. This can further exacerbate the downturn in the economy. The Great Depression was characterized by a deflationary cycle, which many believe was partially responsible for the depths of the economic downturn. 
So long term, what I would like to see is a long, slow transition away from a consumer economy, one in which we value our time and all of the good things in life that don't require money far more than money itself. You know, I think that we would be better off for our health, our personal wealth, as well as the health of the environment. But even with that as my vision of a good future, I would not recommend that everyone convert to that lifestyle all at once tomorrow. The effects on the economy would be too abrupt to be absorbed by the system. It would be like a deflationary cycle where people stop spending money and then no one can have a job. We'd go into an economic tailspin. There would be mass unemployment and poverty. And of course, those who are already poor would be hit the worst. So even though I may have critiques of our system as a whole, as well as many of its parts, which even includes the Fed, I cannot get on board with the grr, libertarian smash mentality, you know? Ah, I have an incredibly simplistic view of the world and think everything I don't understand should be abolished. I mean, come on, if you're going to critique the Fed, that's fine. But using poor people to fearmonger about the evils of inflation only proves how little you know about the benefits of having a small amount of inflation as compared to the much worse alternatives. Now, if you are way smarter than me on stuff like this, feel free to chime in, email me your recorded message, or call in at 202-999-3991. That's going to be it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to those who support the show by becoming a member or making one-time donations, as that is absolutely how the program survives. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it, leaving glowing reviews on iTunes and Stitcher, and by donating your accounts at donateyouraccount.com slash bestofleft. Stay tuned into the show by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter and for details on the show itself, including links to all of the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information can always be found in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay and this has been the Best of a Left podcast coming to you every Tuesday and Friday thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestofaleft.com. And it's a cry and shame how we get so trained We can see past our own sad stories And wonder what we're missing We can see past